second. Calm down for one second. We the people sucks and it's dead and buried. It was a stupid idea from bad creative and all that's gone. the cheap podcast the laser time network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling i am your host the original bro matthew allen who's here with me and i am limitless tl foster limitless without limits really yep you should bask in my glory oh i see who you're talking about yes yeah yeah you know well you have unlimited potential as a podcaster just like keith lee has unlimited potential as a pro wrestler he's been impressing lately um but actually before we dive into that let's just get caught up a little bit it's been a little while since we did one of these and and actually a lot has happened we do have a lot of ground to cover. We never really got a chance to talk about WWE Hell in a Cell. Uh, we have some thoughts on that. Uh, we're going to, of course, go over the news around the wrestling world. Lots of big changes going on. Uh, but the, I think the main purpose of this show is you and I really wanted to get together and offer our takes on the new AEW Dynamite on TNT versus NXT on USA. The new, as they're called, as we are all calling it, the Wednesday Night Wars, you know, it's, uh, who knew? Who knew that Wednesday would all of a sudden be the big wrestling night? But here we are. Right. So I'm actually glad that we waited a little bit, had like a couple of episodes um, yeah. of both shows so we could kind of get like an idea. Yeah. Well, we were waiting for that. And then, uh, sorry, I forgot to mention, we were waiting for WWE's draft as well. Right. We wanted to see how that panned out. It, it was like every time you and I talked, we we're like, we should, we should record an episode. And it's like another thing happened. And we were like, okay, well, let's. Let's wait till that uh, happens, which, by the way, not a problem unique to us. Uh, Diamond Dog Dave Redden told me that's exactly what used to happen with the, the old cheap podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's just the world of professional wrestling. Yeah. I mean, the only other big thing is a glorified house show that I literally don't give a shit about. So, like, if we're going to do one before uh, Survivor Series, this is the perfect time to do it. You mean Crown Jewel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's a glorified yeah. house show that means nothing. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it means a, it means a big payday for a lot of wrestlers. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Definitely that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, you know, speaking of the world of wrestling, how about we just kick it off with around the wrestling world news? Actually, this first story and the second story, they're kind of the same story. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. So I'll start, though, with Cain uh, Velasquez signed with WWE. Uh, for now, his first opponent, he's going to face off against Brock Lesnar. Now, Kane signing, though, I think is um, it's a multi-year deal, right? It's not just a, it's a special thing for Crown Jewel. Right. No, this is a, this is a multi-year deal that uh, Kane signing with the WWE. And so I, I've seen a lot of like negative backlash about this. And Matthew, I'm very confused why people are upset. I, I'm in the same boat as you. I okay, compare this with when Ronda Rousey signed with WWE, uh, and 
of course, sorry, we should have said Cain Velasquez, famous MMA fighter, uh, yes. who is actually one of the fighters that beat Brock Lesnar yeah. uh, in UFC. Yeah, he's a former UFC heavyweight champion, multi-time champion, actually. Um, he he famously left after losing. He lost his title to Junior Dos Santos, and around that he just kind of was like a, a hovering in the almost like the mid heavyweight, you know, the mid uh, upper tier of the heavyweight division. Uh, but he's a really good wrestler. Um, he's also really good friend, uh, f- uh, friends with Daniel Cormier, a guy that they talked about multiple times as being someone who would probably jump to WWE because he's a big wrestling fan mm. as well. And, and Cormier is getting up there in years. So, yeah, his time with UFC is probably coming to a close soon. So that could be the next thing. But I think – sorry, yeah, to take a step back, the backlash – that I at least I saw around this was that it was oh man I don't want to watch MMA fighters I want to watch professional wrestling and it's like are people forgetting how many people do crossover between those worlds and some of them go back and forth even right like gentleman Jack Gallagher you right he he can shoot fight and then he he does his stuff at WWE it's like yeah the two worlds are intertwined and while theoretically UFC is a shoot it's in wwe is a work i think there's a lot of crossover between just the kind of people that gravitate toward both of those sports both as a an athlete and as a fan i it's, you know if you're doing a venn diagram of professional wrestling fans and mma fans i think you'd find a lot of crossover there in the middle yeah no it's it's really weird to me well one Cain velasquez has wrestled in indies he's wrestled in triple a um he wrestled at triple mania this year and he's he's really he's actually really good um, for someone who's relatively new. But this is I, I always find it weird to be because wrestling wrestling like promoters and wrestling companies have always looked to get amateur wrestlers into professional wrestling because it's very it's a very one you know it's very one to one thing. And shoot fighters have always been in wrestling like Stu Hart was very famously a shoot fighter, and I don't think anyone you know. Disvaluates like what they can do in the dungeon. The thing about an MMA fighter is, with with shoe fighting, it's it's a real fight, and with wrestling, you're trying to simulate a real fight. It makes the most sense to get a shoot fighter for that purpose. Like it's always so weird to me that people are just so mad. It's like I don't want this MMA bullshit. It's like, well, I mean, that's what wrestling was. Like when wrestling happened in the, you know, old school like um the Carney circuit when it was an old school carnival show, like these were would, would essentially be MMA fighters back in our day, like the original stretchers are those guys and yeah. For people to be just mad and not even give it a shot, it's it's really weird. Now it's a match again, I'm not going to watch unless like I hear something great about it, but I just I find it really weird for people to get that be so angry about it. Well, I also doubt it's going to be their only match against one another because they do have that built-in storyline and built-in history of Kane beating Brock in UFC. But yeah, I don't so you know, professional wrestling tends to draw from a few different places, right? There's the amateur wrestling ranks. So guys like Brock Lesnar, who came out of college wrestling, uh, there's professional football players, of course, right? Guys like Keith Lee, uh, you know, um, just, it's just because naturally they're big, huge spectacle type dudes and they're big and strong and physical. And then of course, yeah, there's US, there's MMA. I mean, I, hey, 
maybe I'm just not remembering it. I really don't remember this kind of backlash when Ken Shamrock crossed over from UFC to WWE back in the day, right? No. And he was he was relatively green at first, and then he ultimately became one of the most popular and best stars of the Attitude Era. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Attitude Era. I mean, you had I mean, you had Ken Shamrock, which was the big case, but Ken Shamrock had also been wrestling um, in Japan and in the Indies beforehand. Um, but you also had people like Dan Severin and Tank Abbott who were like shoot MMA guys who came into professional wrestling. But yeah, it, it's just always so weird to me. And like you said, like as wrestling fans, we get so weirded out when people are like, oh, well, I didn't come from wrestling. I'm from this. But like your favorite wrestler for the most times, like often than not, we're not like did not die in the wool like wrestling. Like I think of, you know, people like Ted DiBiase who was like part of that West Texas football team that it was like Ted DiBiase and it was like a couple other like big 80s wrestlers who started from there and I just I, I yeah it's always gets it always gets weird for me when people say that now I get like you want to see your indie guy who's been wrestling for years like get a break so I understand that but they are also not a household name that's going to help out your new venture on a on a national, you know, national televised net, uh, TV network. I think that is mostly where the backlash is coming from is people are viewing it as a bit of desperation from WWE or at least a way to boost ratings in their mind is artificially, though it's like, um, they've always done this. Think of like when they had Floyd Mayweather. Think of the Mike Tyson era that kicked off the Attitude Era, right? They've, uh, there was Muhammad Ali did some stuff with, uh, back then WWF, right? So it's, it's not unusual. I think maybe, and the Kane Velasquez thing totally makes sense. I think maybe part of the reason this is getting backlash is it's blending with kind of the second part of the story I was talking about, which is Tyson Fury, who is the world heavyweight boxing champion. I forget which boxing league this is. Honestly, there's so many of them. Well, he's he's currently the linear um, world heavyweight boxing champion. Like, So this is the actual, like, he would be considered what you would consider, like, where the WBO and the WBC kind of, like, the lineage from like Joe Frazier to Muhammad Ali, like that line, kind of. Okay, like like uh, Lennox Lewis and, and those kind yes. of guys. Okay, yes. Okay, yeah. So so Tyson Fury, though it was announced, has also signed with WWE. Now this one is kind of a spectacle one-off match at Crown Jewel facing Braun Strowman, and I think maybe part of the reason people are reacting negatively to Kane is because it's blending with this story. And this is a case though where you have a boxer. Uh, who, yeah, is coming in to do a worked fight. Uh, typically, to be honest, there's always a lot of hype around boxers versus wrestlers, and usually those matches are bad. Uh, they're not right. great, right? And so, yeah, I, I think maybe that's where part of the, uh, the backlash is coming from. Although I will say Tyson Fury is made for sports entertainment. Like, that guy is an entertainer like he's got the personality he's got the you know the voice and everything like that like he's, he's like brad pitt's character in snatch like you know he's got he's got that the way he talks and stuff but he's like he's also just a really big imposing dude you know so right. and the other thing is he needs to take some time off because he got a pretty bad cut his last boxing match and so i think they need to let that heal uh before he gets back into the boxing ring but i, I think maybe that's where 
the backlash is coming from. Part of it, too, might be people's reaction to how Ronda's run went, which, depending on who you ask, I think some people have mixed reactions to that. Yeah. No, I mean, so the Tyson Fury thing is really weird. He does have a he does a really big fight with Dice, with um, Dante Wilder that's coming up pretty soon that people are anxiously looking forward to because that is probably the only person that might beat Tyson Fury. I mean, Tyson Fury lucks out because he's not the greatest heavyweight boxer, but we live in an era right now where heavyweight boxing isn't as good as it used to be. Uh, hi, I'm a combat, I'm a combat sports fan, so I know a lot about this stuff. Like this, it, it would be more interesting if it was like a Kane, like a Kane, like a, um, Canelo Alvarez or, you know, a Galati Golovkin. Like, Tyson Fury is cool, but he's not. But he's also a big dude. And this is the first time he actually had a big heavyweight boxer in a wrestling match in WWE. Like when, when you think of like heavyweight boxers in a wrestling match, you think of the Muhammad Ali versus, um, uh, versus the, uh, giant, was it giant Baba? No, I don't think it was Giant Baba, but I think, uh, man, I'm gonna get crucified for this, but you think of the Muhammad Ali match where, like, the guy, instead of wrestling Muhammad Ali, just decided to do leg kicks because Muhammad Ali took it as a shoot. The great thing about Tyson Fury thing is, I was listening to an interview with him on first take. Tyson Fury has been in the performance center and has been wrestling and has been bumping, so it will actually be a wrestling match. But again, mm. he has a big fight with Dante Fowler, which, I mean, Dante Fowler, Dante, uh, uh, with, um, Ah, I just messed up the name. Uh, he had that, he has the big fight coming up with, um, Dante Wilder. I don't know why I said Fowler, but Dante Wilder, uh, coming up and yeah. he can't get hurt. So th- this is not going to be a match where he will be doing a lot because that match that he's doing for Dante Wilder, regardless of the money he's making on, in, on this, uh, match, but he's making buku money. Um, it's still going to dwarf whatever, you know, he makes. At here at Crown Jewel, so yeah, I think they were estimating one figure I'd heard thrown around was fifteen million dollars for this match, right? And, and the Dante the Dante Wilder match is going to make way more money because that's a legit super fight in boxing. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it was Antonio Inoki is who you were thinking of for Antonio Ali. Yes, and that's then what right. I was yeah. thinking of with WWF is he was a referee in WrestleMania. Yes, um, but no, I think this it, it's a spectacle match and it's fine, and it gives Braun Strowman a rub. Like they want to build Braun Strowman as the guy, which is this is another thing for them to give him the rub. I again, I it's a fine thing. That's a spectacle that literally there's no stakes for it. Tyson Fury is not going to be your world heavyweight champion, you know. Well, I think the other part of the, the the backlash maybe that people are responding to is the fact that it's at Crown Jewel, and there's just backlash against Crown Jewel because it takes place in Saudi Arabia, and there's a lot of things around the show that go with that, you know. Right. People are not reacting well to the fact that WWE is doing another Saudi Arabia show, and I think any any performers that appear there kind of get viewed with in a negative way right well i mean it's a show it's a show they have to do right like well, so, well some have opted out so, some have opted out right. and 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 some of them i think can opt out because they have what i like to call fu money you know like john cena doesn't have to do that show he's good money wise he doesn't need that payday maybe even daniel bryan although you know he's probably nowhere near as wealthy as john cena he, he can opt out of that but guys like Sami Zayn. They're opting out for moral reasons, you know. Well, Sami Zayn is a is a um, like a safety issue. Um, yes, it's the same you're reason right, why right. you yeah, it's the same reason why you won't see any of the um, Davari brothers. Yes, there uh, because it's it's a legit safety issue, which is 
which is the reason why I will never, I can never be okay with this show. Like it, it's happening, and I'll, I will read the recaps, and I'm not here to make a, a moral high ground because there's a lot of shit I watch, and I'm like, uh, uh, but this show it sucks, and I hate that they, I hate that they literally halt their TV shows for this glorified house show because that's exactly what it is. Um, but once the 31st is over and November 1st happens, we can finally get on the road to Survivor Series, which is the most important thing. Well, one person who will not be on the road to Survivor Series is Eric Bischoff, because uh, the news came across that after only four months as the uh, head of SmackDown uh, creative, he's out. He's been replaced by Bruce Pritchard, a longtime person associated with uh, WWE. And yeah, now Bruce is is leading creative for SmackDown. I'll, I'm just going to say this, like that is not an enviable job to hold. That That is a position... It's, uh, well, as, as, as many creative positions in, uh, professional wrestling, you don't have a long life expectancy. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, I don't know if Eric Bischoff could run a wrestling show in 2019. Matthew, how much did you watch of that TNA run from 2010? Didn't watch any. I was not into TNA at the time. I was, I was already done with it. It was, to me, it was yeah. past its prime. So I, I've I've never been a huge fan of the Russo run era, and as I'm going to probably contradict myself later on in the show, I think what Cornette was doing was fine, um, especially for an alternative show that that ultimately looked like an alternative show, right? Because the thing with TNA is it had the had the six sided ring and like there were smaller wrestlers, like it was a completely different show. And I think that was definitely fine, and it was an alternative watching WWE. And then when Bischoff took over. TNA, like, it just got really bad and fucking just terrible storylines and stuff like that, and I had a feeling SmackDown was going to go down that same route, and I apparently the talk from the locker room is that a lot of people in the locker room did not care for Bischoff's vision of wrestling, and again, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about it more later, I was not, I'm not the biggest Bischoff Nitro fan, like, a lot of Nitro no. stuff I like, he had a hand in, but it was watching cruiserweights Japanese wrestlers, which, like, that also w- was shit he didn't like. Like, his heavyweight yeah. division wasn't really great. And I don't know, like, I'm pretty sure he's probably the reason why we have a Shorty Gable thing, because he's never liked short wrestlers. My theory on the Bischoff thing is I think he's always been really good at playing the politics games in corporations and getting close to the right people. Uh, I think that was difficult for him in WWE because, let's be honest, Vince... Vince is one of those guys he keeps his enemies close right and so but he also has a tendency anyone who's been a former rival of his Vince will take any opportunity he can to humiliate them so I think when he let Bischoff go that's like an added benefit Uh, the reason some people are speculating that he was let go is the ratings on Fox for Smackdown they dropped from 3.86 million first week to 2.89 so nearly uh nearly a million people uh fell off within one week now a lot of that is you're going from the first week of something new to the second week and, and is to be expected but the ratings continue to drop and it's also playoff season like there's yeah, also baseball yeah. playoffs going on but the playoffs were not happening this past wednesday and both wrestling shows were also still down so i think a lot of it is just yeah. you launch something new there's a lot of excitement people want to check it out and then yeah they might check out they might come back i so my theory though to get back to my theory about bischoff and his style mm. 
I, like you said, I think he was really good at recognizing certain trends. I think he was really good at knowing who to get close to and who to befriend. But I don't know how directly responsible he was for WCW's booking back in the day. I think I think he made some broad decisions. Then I think some other people were there, kind of, kind of really, you know, booking. Um, I think what I'd heard about this run is he actually had trouble integrating with the rest of the creative team and with kind of the corporate culture there. And based on, you know, a lot of interviews I've listened to with Bischoff in in recent years and just his overall attitude, he seems so much more relaxed and laid back and comfortable with himself that, yeah, he's... It, it could come off as lazy to a lot of people. And, but yeah, I, I just don't think he's that engaged because he really doesn't need it. You know, he's got his huge farm that he lives on, you know, in the middle of the country. And, and it's like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need this stuff. And I think for him, it was weird. It was a weird hire when they happened. And I speculated when it happened that, you know, Vince was trying to set up kind of a rivalry between uh, Bischoff and Heyman. To, to you know get some nat- some like competition going between them and of course Heyman we predicted would come out the winner and sure right. enough he has so yeah I, this yeah. isn't this isn't very surprising I guess the most surprising thing is only four months like jeez dude like give it a little bit of time yeah I don't know like I'm with you I mean he he has so much of Ted Turner's money why would you even ever get out of bed that's how I feel about it it's just like you and he also has like he did what did him and Jason Harvey did like that that um, little person wrestling show and like he's done like he's gotten to the producer thing so I don't know why I don't know why he decided he wanted to make another e run especially not in front of the camera I think that probably would have been like if you're going to use Eric Bischoff you use him in front of the camera I don't see what you gain by having him in the backstage because like that WCW folded almost twenty years ago you know like. How how long can we keep living on this teat of old wrestling? Again, I will be going back to that motif later on. But oh yeah, I have some thoughts there. With uh, maybe some listeners might be surprised with the wrestling programs I'm going to associate that with. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on in the news, um, I think this was a, this might still be rumored. I, I don't know if this is verified or not. Um, but to jump back to uh, Crown Jewel, it's rumored that Undertaker has been pulled from that show. Uh, and so that's that's big news. I, I wonder if that has to do with a health issue where Undertaker just, you know, he can only go a few times each year. Mm-hmm. And maybe he would just wasn't comfortable going out there. Of course, his last time out there, it was an abysmal match and performance against Goldberg. Now, that one, Goldberg got a concussion. So I don't think that was Undertaker's fault. He was trying to carry, literally carry a big guy like Goldberg that match. But um, yeah, so rumor has it he has been pulled from that show, which... Undertaker is one of the last big draws and spectacles that WWE has up its sleeve, you know, so that is kind of a big deal for him to get pulled. But if it means he can rest and get healthy for Mania next year, uh, like we said, Crown Jewel doesn't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. So, hey, I, I, it does not matter to me one bit that he's pulled from that show. Like, I'm kind of glad. Right. I'd rather him being a, I'd rather him being a moment, you know, than just like, hey, the Saudis gave us fuck you money. Let's get Undertaker back out. Like, I'd rather him just, you know, let him sit at home and be a yoga dad. That's what he wants to do. It seems like that's what he's actually interested in doing. So, um, let him just do that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and if, if he if he wants to rest and, and come to WrestleMania next year, like, I think wrestling fans would welcome it. 
So yeah, last bit of news here. Uh, Mike Kanellis, or Mike Bennett, if you will, depending on who you ask, um, has asked for his release from WWE. Uh, he was citing some reasons that basically he's saying, I'm only working like maybe one night a week. He just had a kid with Maria, who is still with the company and, and still active. Um, but he, he's saying, hey, I want my daughter to get to see daddy work uh, and see how he pays the bills. Um, he is... Not that recently, but fairly recently sober. And so he feels like he should be able to go and he's at the prime of his life. Uh, and so, you know, all the reasons he cited, I think are completely understandable. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to make the same amount of money that you, you know, anywhere else that you were making with WWE, especially considering he just re-signed the contract back in June. Right. Um, I think it makes for an awkward situation with Maria. But, uh, you know, the other thing, though, is... WWE, they used to be pretty good about granting people a release when they asked for it. Uh, lately, they have not been. So Luke Harper asked for his release several months ago, and WWE refused it. Um, and a lot of speculation was, well, now that AEW is around and they have some competition, they don't want these guys to go you know, over to AEW. And so they, they'll just keep them under contract and keep paying them and not let them work elsewhere rather than grant them that full release. Right. Well, I think the thing with Luke Harper that's kind of gross is they did the Rey Mysterio thing where they extended the contract uh, due to injury. Because of injury. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which, I don't like that at all. Which is, yeah, that, I mean, that completely, like... We're both sports fans. Like if Jimmy, if Jimmy Garoppolo, please don't let this happen. But if he got injured, we wouldn't want the 49ers to be like, okay, we're going to extend your contract because no, you were don't, injured. Don't, don't jinx it. I just crossed myself for Jimmy G. Please. <laughs> uh, we we're, are both, we're both 49er fans. And we're, un and we're undefeated. <laughs> undefeated so, for San Francisco 49er oh, fans. I love it. Um, but no, so he's just, it's, it's always so weird to me, but. I am. I was a huge Mike Bennett fan when he was on the Indies. Uh, when he was wrestling with the Kingdom, I thought him and Matt Taven were a really good tag team. I don't. I've, I've never been a fan of like the whole like oh they under underutilize people. I think what they did though, which wasn't good for him, and I think this is also a thing that may have hurt Eric Young as well, is they put him on the main roster way too early. Like Mike Bennett. Mike Kanellis never got a run in NXT. And I think that would have been more beneficial. Because, like it or not, in that main roster, there's only but so much time you can put onto a show. And if you're not, like, if you did not, like, get a chance to build this character, if you're WWE, why do you care, you know, why do you care who this guy is? Like, AJ Styles is a different thing because he had been wrestling for years, but... Yeah. Mike Bennett was like he wasn't even on an Adam Cole indie level, right? Like I love Mike Bennett, but he wasn't he wasn't Adam Cole. You know what it reminded me of is um a Sable situation. Yeah, you really wanted to put Maria back on television <laughs> and just like Yeah. Yeah. But Sable was the happy accident, right? Because they signed Mark Miro first. Or at least the story goes. I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not, but the they brought him in, and and when she came in, Vince like looks at Jr. and is like, "Uh, did you see what I saw?" Like, and then they they signed Sable to to start working as well. But yeah, in this case, it felt I, I I hate to say it, but it always felt like they signed Mike Bennett because he's married to Maria, and it's like, well, let's get Maria back. Uh, unfortunately, I think the, one of the big reasons he left, or I, I would do too, is he was involved in a really shitty storyline. Uh, uh, I'll be frank, I. I thought it was really disrespectful and just bad television, but he, he was in 
a storyline where, you know, Maria's pregnant and it was like, oh, you might not be the father. And I mean, this is, by the way, a storyline they were also doing uh, with Rusev and Lana. So yeah. it, it's like, what what the hell is going on? I, I, I felt really bad for the guy. And I, again, I don't blame him for asking for his release. I, I, we can go ahead and talk about. I know we're going to talk about it later in the in like developing like the different stuff, but let's let's go ahead and just bring this up now. I think this is the biggest problem with bringing in Paul Heyman because, like, I know people want to like shit on Vince. This really seems like a Paul Heyman thing. Like, this is an ECW. Let's do something to shock everybody's thing, and it's getting really fucking tired. And like this, like you said, the couple angles are just fucking gross. And they suck. The fact that there were two running simultaneously God. is really what threw me for a loop on the different shows. And, the, and so and here's the weird thing: this isn't this isn't ten years ago, or even it isn't twenty years ago, or even ten years ago. We all have access to the internet. We all are on social media. Maria Canales loves Mike Bennett, and Lana loves Rusev. Like these people are Lana and Rusev were on a fucking reality TV show. Like about how goofy and love they were, yeah. like yeah. So yeah. this is it's just it's the most unbelievable bullshit. And like, I don't know if you guys remember um, what you call it, like Bob Lashley's wife, but uh, Crystal uh, Crystal um, uh, Marshall is like one of the like hottest women of all time when she was in WWE. Like, so it's just it's it's so unbelievable because it makes you have to think of like not think about actual actually things that happened it's just it's so weird i don't understand why they were so okay with it it just sucks and it, and it disrespects two guys that i mean I, i'm not huge into mike bennett or mike Nels, but uh rusev i love handsome rusev I, I i'm just like what are you doing why are you putting him in this situation like he the fans want him to be over they cheer anything rusev does he comes out and it's rusev day goes huge over and then they pull back on that. He, you know, he shaves and then has like that amazing mustache. The mustache is over. Fans want to cheer him. And then you do this to him and it's like, it can't help but feel like someone in the back is purposely wanting to disrespect him. Like maybe he has some backstage heat or yeah. maybe he said something he wasn't supposed to on one of those reality TV shows. It just feels really, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's like, this this is the stuff that I'm like, this is hard to be a fan when you're doing this to guys that people want to like. Like, why can't you hear that people want to like this guy? Yeah, it's just embarrassing. And like, and like I said, it falls under, like, it falls under so many tropes, like, because it ends up with the, oh, women are a bitch. Like, why would she cheat? Like, it's just that whole thing. Like, it's all gross, and I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm really not. I agree. I agree. But yeah, so uh, Mike and Alice, you know, good luck, and and hopefully they will grant you your future endeavors. Now, I think it might be better because I don't think he wants to go to AEW because when you look at what he said, he's like, I want to wrestle around the world. And again, I, I I watch a lot of the Kingdom and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then of course in Ring of Honor, I do think he's a guy who would go to like something like WXW or you know a new japan like something like that where he wouldn't be on american soil and again i don't think aew would be where he wants to go either and we will talk about that in a little bit so uh, it's just like i i i think that he i think i think better pastures are for him 
All right. So, you know, before we start talking about the WWE draft, um, just, you know, keeping it in WWE country here, let's cover really quick Hell in a Cell. Uh, because as we said, um, a lot of what the draft does kind of negates what happened in, in Hell in a Cell. But it is worth talking uh, mentioning a few things, mostly for the bad that came out of that show. Um, and really, when I say the bad, I think overall it was just the the finish of the show left a bad taste in people's mouths. Cause I think up until that point, I went back and watched it again and it's just an okay show. It's just totally okay. fine. It, it felt very much to me though, like a show that's a victim of the WWE network versus traditional pay-per-views. It's, it's like, it's a show that heading into the show, they hadn't booked half the matches. I think we knew about three or maybe four of the matches total heading into that thing. Um, it's a show that had one or two decent matches decent to really good and then the rest just felt like raw or smackdown matches um and then yeah it had that baffling finish which we'll get to uh you know i'm not going to cover every match here we're not going to do our traditional you know oh yeah review uh, scores i will call out some special stuff uh so i i think to most people the sasha versus becky hell in a cell match was the match of the night uh, I personally gave it four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There wasn't like a ton to call out like that. I'm like, oh, a memorable special moment. It was it was just a really, mm-hmm. really physical match. It had a really weird beginning where like the cage was coming down and they ended up outside of the cage, which I was like, OK, what's going on here? What are they going to do? Probably the one spot I remember the most is uh, where Sasha was like propped up and there was like a, a Becky does a drop kick off the apron with Sasha like hitting a chair on the side of the cell. Oh no, no, no. she's when she's sitting on the chair. Yeah. That was propped up by kendo sticks. Yes. That was a good spot. It was a cool visual. This match was probably my favorite Hell in a Cell match in like the last three years. Yeah. Um I thought it was very fun, very inventive. I thought the women did such a great job. Um when Sasha's motivated, there's no one better and there's there's literally no one who's a better dance partner with her than Becky. Um I'm not sure have you ever seen the Becky Sasha takeover match? Um when they were both in NXT. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um and I to me I've always wanted to do something with it. I, I think that is the genesis of the man. Like everybody's talking about like because we're coming up on the year anniversary, actually two days of before we record. She just posted about it was it, the yeah. Yeah, it was the year anniversary of the man promo. Um, but when, when, like, that match happened, I remember watching it and the match was so good. The crowd started chanting Becky's song and I looked at my friend and I was like, she's made. Like, th- this is it. Like, she has found her audience yeah. and she's just made. And this guy, every time they have a match, I just, every time I see it, it's like, I don't see why they fight anyone else because they are just made for each other. To me, out of the horsewomen, Becky was always the strongest in-ring wrestler. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Sasha can be good, but she gets injured too much. Bailey uh, made a connection with fans at NXT that honestly she hasn't been able to reproduce in WWE. She's good in the ring. I think that Charlotte is a spectacle. She's just like she's so big compared to most of the women in that division, and she does have amazing looking moves. But I think just in terms of like if I'm drafting a roster and I want a reliable, consistent worker. It was always Becky, and then when she proved what she could do on the mic as the man, well, she becomes the clear number one choice at that point. Um, in fact, not to get ahead of herself, but she was the number one pick in the draft, period. Right. The entire draft. Right. You know? Yeah, so uh, – but yeah, so that match, we, we should say, uh, Becky won with the disarmer. 
Um, and it was it was a good strong match. The other match that a lot of people really liked, I liked it as well, was that tornado tag team match where uh, it was Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan versus Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Uh, Roman and, and and Daniel went over with the Superman punch. It was a great finish. It was it was a Superman punch followed by Daniel Bryan's flying knee, followed by the spear, right? And that ultimately took down Harper. In many ways, this match felt like a goodbye because I thought they were going to split these two, but now they both ended up on SmackDown again, but it felt like they were saying, okay, now we can get rid of this tag team pairing. Well, they they just tagged again tonight against um, against Nakamura and King Corbin for for them to announce that um, that um, that Roman Reigns is going to take Seth's spot as the captain of Team Hulk Hogan. Um, but also, the more important thing is it, it looks like that they are going to do a Nakamura Daniel Bryan Intercontinental Championship feud, which has been teased since before Bryan got injured, like when Nakamura was in New Japan. Like I'm super excited about that. So they they are they are this was maybe their encore thing on SmackDown. Yeah. They are going kind of their separate, separate ways. ways. Yeah, because that, and that storyline that storyline never paid off. The who attacked Roman Reigns thing. It was a it was a lame ending to that storyline. The only good thing we got out of it was the return of Luke Harper to the ring, who's one of my favorite uh, wrestlers yeah. in, in, oh. in their roster. So, yeah, that, that match was good. Um, you know, the, the Randy Orton match uh, versus Ali was actually a pretty strong match overall for a match that didn't have a ton of backstory or anything. I think Randy continues to make these young talents look good, which is awesome. Uh, the women's tag match of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors was, again, a strong match. Noth- nothing to write home about. Well, real quick, I think the important thing from the Kabuki Warriors match was the heel Asuka and heel Kari. And that's where that match debuted. And <sighs> Matt, I'm super happy that this is happening. Like, So, here's the thing. I'm not sure if you knew a lot about Asuka before she got signed by WWE. Well, I think I know what you're getting at because it relates to the finish of the match, right? Yeah. Well, so Asuka, when she was Kana, was a great wrestler, but she, like, in WWE, she's always been, she's been, like, I think at the worst, she was, like, a very aggressive wrestler, but Kana was, like, sadistic. Like, she would be out in, like, in murderous fame. Like, she is the the murder queen. Like, that's the whole thing. And just like Io Shirai, They've just kind of said, okay, we're going to go all in on what made you really huge into Japan. And now she's using the poison miss. Which, which I, okay, so I actually, I like the miss finisher thing, but I've, I've actually heard a lot of people don't like it because they typically, well, it's, it's a great Muda thing, right? It's, yeah. it, that was his, that was his finish. But yeah, a lot of people don't like that. They're like, oh, come on. Every time you bring in a Japanese wrestler, they do the mist, right? But it's to the Jap. So my issue with people who say a problem with that, they don't know their history of Japanese wrestling. Japanese okay. wrestlers do that in New Japan. They do that in all Japan. They do it in Japan as a respect to Keiji Muda because of who Muda is. Like, that's the big thing. Like, I know a lot of people have talked about Kishin Liger. Like, that was the whole thing with Kishin Liger. Like, Kishin Liger became Muda, and he has the mist. And, like, each mist is different. The green mist is the poison mist. That's the reason why, like, you see a lot of people fall down and choke. But there's different versions of the mist. Like, don't be reductive because you only see one lens wrestling fans. Yeah. Like, it is. A, it usually goes from people who get it from Keiji Muda, and it moves forward. Like, Tajiri was, the, fr- the like, the next big person with the mist, but Tajiri was a student of Keiji Muda. Like, it, it makes sense. That's some good context because, yeah, I had heard some people even saying that the mist can have racial overtones because it's like, yeah, they always give it to the Japanese wrestlers. But that's good context to have. Yeah. 
Now, if you was throwing salt in someone's eyes, like Mr. Fuji, then we would have a different conversation. (laughs) But salt in the eyes was actually – that was before Mr. Fuji. Like lots of people used to do that. In fact, I wish some of those heel finishes would stick around. They've gone away. Things like – the, the thing full of quarters, right? Like, oh, he's got the loaded thing, the, you know, the punch full of quarters. And, you know, usually they didn't actually have anything there. They would just know how to work it. But I, I wish heels cheated more often than they do. One thing I will point out, though, it was a little bit of a logical error with the finish is the ref saw the mist. He saw it, not, maybe not her spitting it, but he looked down and there's mist everywhere. And then she, because of the way she did it, she had the mist, the green stuff running down her face and he saw it. And that's just like an, a little bit of an error there by the ref is like, if you see it, you're supposed to say, you just cheated. I'm calling this match. And he didn't. He just went ahead and did the count anyway. Like he paused before he did the count that he right. saw it and recognized it and still counted, which that's a tiny thing. But the little stuff matters over time. You know, that's you can't expose the business like that. Right. No, it was definitely a thing. But hey, like I said, it's really, it is really, it was, it was really great. I really enjoyed that match. Um, you were going to talk about the other matches that happened. Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman versus the OC was, was just had a really bad finish. Uh, yeah. It's like, okay, it was good to see a bunch of big guys hitting each other. Um, but. Yeah, they had a bad finish. Uh, I think the Chad, I'm going to call him Chad Gable because I, I know he's trying to own Shorty Gable, but I do think it's disrespectful. Uh, but no, 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 no. He is now Shorty G. It sounds like a Vince thing, dude. That's good shit. TL, that's good shit. Oh, it sucks so much <laughs> because Chad Gable is legitimately one of the top five best wrestlers in the world. And he's 5'8", and I get it. Like, he's not 6'5", or whatever, but Chad Gable rules, and Kurt Angle was, Kurt Angle was 5'9". So, like, calm this shit down. Like, it's, it's well, Chad so Gable, dumb. Chad Gable is a handsome dude. He's got a killer look. He's got a killer bodybuilding body. Um, I think if he was in AEW, he'd be a top guy. I mean, he's the right height. Oh! We'll talk about <laughs> that in a moment. <laughs> But no, Chad Gable's great. I don't like... It's like, fine, if he wants to own it. Yeah, and he's going to go out there and he's going to prove him wrong every time he gets in the ring because he is one of the better workers they have. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. And then, yeah, you know, the women's championship match on this show, you had Charlotte Flair versus Bayley. Uh, so here's my thing with this is... Um, a, they opened it, and, and this makes more sense now since the show, but Bailey had her face entrance still. Even though she was supposed to be wrestling heel, she came out with the inflatables, which they then realized after this pay-per-view. Um, you know, there was a little bit of a business beforehand with Tamina and R-Truth, uh, and then I love that Funaki got it in the mix to stop, to dig it in between them. It was great to see Funaki participating, other than just as an announcer. I don't think the crowd in this match knew who to cheer for it was it charlotte or bailey and right. because they didn't know because normally bailey is a face and charlotte is goes back and forth so much i don't know i don't know who to cheer for, if i should be cheering for her or not and so i think that that was the biggest problem with this match the other thing is it was very similar to sasha in that both sasha and bailey you know they'd been kind of teaming together they both came out of this pay-per-view with a loss and looking bad and their and their their whole thing was they just came out like kind of crying about how badly they performed. And I just like, okay, where do they go from here? You know? Um typically when you have kind of a heel pairing like that, at least one of them will get the win and then it opens it up to all kinds of storylines, which is there jealousy between them or that kind of thing. For right. but for both of them to lose and both of them just to kind of like, oh, I'm crying, I didn't do well. It's like 
I don't know. It felt like lazy booking to me. It was. And it, again, I think I'll talk about it a little bit later in my top threes. It really sucked because here we had another person of color, you know, single champion who lost unceremoniously and just was like, oh, I'm just going to be a, a, a huge whiny crybaby about it. Like, it, yeah. it, it, it just fucking sucked. So, moving on to the main event of the night, and then we will move on from Hell in a Cell. Um, sigh. Uh, audible sigh. So, you build up The Fiend for this long, and you build up this rivalry. Uh, there was so much wrong with this match. Um, although I do hear the reason for the finish might have been there was a technical error and they couldn't do the original finish as planned. What that that leads me to believe is one of those stupid special effects finishes they used to do for Bray Wyatt. That I'm just like, not another one of those. Oh, are you going to make worms project on the middle of the ring? Great, that's exciting. I don't care. I don't care about the spooky little girl singing. I care about a legit wrestling finish. Uh, first of all, the red lights gave me a huge headache. Like, cut that yeah. shit out. That's ridiculous. Um, I know people really, really, really hated this match. And I'll say this. The story they were trying to tell up until the finish was actually – it made sense to me. They were selling The Fiend as this unstoppable monster. Now, I think there was one too many no-sells in this match. Like he was no-selling everything. Like how many curb stomps can you take? He took more stomps than Braun Strowman did. It was stupid. And it it makes Seth look bad. It's to the point – like no-selling is cool when used effectively – uh, but then, yeah, then the fact that, like, how do you end a Hell in a Cell match with... Now, they wouldn't call it a DQ finish, but that was a DQ finish. They they, they said they had to call off the match because one performer couldn't participate. Well, wait, so let me get this straight. This guy who's been no-selling for 20 minutes or whatever, hasn't apparently doesn't feel pain, and all of a sudden now can't finish the match because he can't go on? Like, that makes zero sense to me. I think it is... The, this is an epitome of kind of the problem people have with WWE booking, which is there's no consistency and there's no logic and they don't play by their own rules. Do you remember the night before there was a social like the WWE social account had tweeted out like, hey, how do you think this match will finish? And and it literally said like uh, submission, pinfall or DQ. And we all made a joke. We're like, haha, there's no DQ in Hell in a Cell. Uh, oops. How wrong were we? It, it, it just it. So. I don't hate that there was a ref stoppage if this was any other match. I'll give you a perfect example. 2016, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens for the NXT Championship. The match was stopped because of a ref stoppage because Sami could not fight. But you know what Sami wasn't um, uh, being booked as? An unstoppable brain demon. (laughs) An unstoppable brain demon from Bray Wyatt's skull. Like... He was a human being. He was an underdog. And it made sense that Kevin Owens beat him so bad he couldn't finish the fight. Yeah, this that's made not what this no finish sense. was. Ugh, it sucked. It sucked. It's to the point where, like, the Saudi match has... It's a last minute... It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a false count anywhere match where it cannot be stopped. Because you ruined it. Like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I thought some elements were cool. The fact that Seth... Uh, was apparently losing it and he was so frustrated that he couldn't get the finish he started hit throwing everything he could at him and he's throwing chairs on the guy and doing everything he can i think that was cool it just didn't make any logical sense in this match because it was the fiend you know and so yeah i mean dude when you have uh x-pac 
on WWE programming doing that thing where they watch the shows and he speaks up like, how do you have a DQ finish in a Hell in a Cell match? You got a problem. You know, when right. you have like one of your most popular performers of all time questioning your decisions on the air. Yeah. Uh, then it's not just us. It's not just like the smarks overreacting. That, that was a problem. No, it wasn't great. And Seth, Seth, get off Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, so if we want, we can wrap up WWE stuff. So, you know, what else wasn't great? And it, it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't great. It was the WWE draft. So the draft took place uh, over the past several weeks in October. Um, what I was trying to remember, I was like, man, why does this feel so sudden and soon? And I had to go back and remember, like, they just did a draft or the they called it the Superstar Shakeup in April and May. So they've hit the reset button twice in the same year. That's a bad look, dude. Yeah. I mean, and they they will do it again in, in, in May. So we won't get enough time to let these things kind of you know, breathe. Like mm. I, I am glad that they kept. I'm glad that they kept Roman on SmackDown because that was the big thing. They wanted Roman to be on SmackDown and give him a chance to like kind of revitalize his character. I just, I don't like how any of this bore out. I think that they are trying to really lean in on the Fox Sports angle of it, but not really yeah. realizing how to portray it as a sport. Well, before we get there, I just want to talk about like so the superstar shakeup was considered mm-hmm. a failure to most people, and I think a big part of that was the wild card rule. Uh, and the wild card rule, I mean, performers are on record as saying it failed because it was confusing. No one really knew what the rule was. That was a rule where it's like up to four performers could appear on the other show at any time. But it was unclear, like, okay, is that within the span of a year? Like how, you know, but ultimately what resulted or what ended up happening was you just saw people crossing over shows all the time. In fact, I was counting. There were some teams that were drafted together that were actually theoretically on different shows before the draft. That's how Mm -hmm. bad the wildcard stuff had gotten that you had guys teaming who were supposed to be on different shows. Well, I mean, think about like this, the current SmackDown, you know, champions, were technically on Raw at the like they were technically Raw teams. Yeah, so that's that's how bad things had gotten. So that made sense why they were like, wait a minute. Uh, the other thing is because of Fox, as you mentioned, um, you know they. If you're going on a new network, that network maybe wants to pick some of the talent they want to see on their show. So I'm sure that the, one of the big reasons for the draft was, okay, we're launching you know, the SmackDown on Fox. Okay, uh, which superstars do you want to appear on there? So they had to kind of come up with a way to explain them going over to that show. But um, overall, the draft itself – uh, I thought it was just mostly boring. I was like, right, I, I don't, I don't care what I, I don't, I don't care who ends up on what show as much as I care about the storylines that can come of it. And I think one of the reasons people are so upset with the draft is it theoretically prematurely ended some storylines that have kind of been developing. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, does Bray Wyatt uh, and Seth do they have unfinished business now? Well, when can they meet to finish that business? Like, it, yeah, it just seems. Not really well thought out. I think um, the Alexa Bliss Nikki Cross thing is the perfect example of that. Like that felt like something they did because they had changed their mind about some booking, and then had to think of a a reason to put them on the other show. And then they're like, "Oh, we're trading for future draft picks." Which my theory, what that means, and I'd love to hear yours because I know you have one too. But I think what that means is 
anytime there's a, a, a signing in the near future, like let's say you sign a hot indie talent or whatever, those draft picks, they'll be like, ah, remember those draft picks we got? Now we're signing this guy. You know, it gives them that option. Yeah, I think what it opens up Raw to do is to draft the Usos uh, or to pick up the Usos. Usos have not been drafted. Usos have also not been on shows. Um, and there's talk about legal reasons, but they, I mean, the Usos are still out there. I mean, there's still WWE talent that is still out there. I, it's just, this whole thing seems very weird, Matt. Like, even, so the, the thing that I, when I realized what they were doing was when they had Stephanie McMahon on the shows, doing basically like the, um, like doing a mix of both, um, Adam Silver and um, the the commissioner for the NFL. Yeah, she was also blending her traditional corporate role with her on air personality. It's right. like, well, wh- which Stephanie am I looking at right now? Right, she's doing the Roger Goodell. Like, I think it was like a couple of drafts ago. Roger Goodell was like, "Oh no, it was David Stern who was like, oh, you guys could boo better than that.' Like, she's doing that whole thing, and it's like, okay, but it doesn't seem like it. And then the cheesy cutaways, like with the Fox robot. Oh my! <laughs> the war room cutaways are some of the best meme worthy material in all of wrestling all year. That was amazing, dude. Like it's just oh, it's <laughs> the fox robot. <laughs> I don't I, I don't understand. Uh, shout out to of course one of my favorite people of all time, Brandon Williams, uh, aka uh, Dio Madden, new uh, commentator for for Raw, who took all this in stride and was just making all the jokes in the world about it, like. It's just it was so fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Just to go over some some stats here. Uh, yeah. So for the draft itself. Um, so the rules were there were up to 30 picks allotted on an October 11th Smackdown. The remaining 41 were on October 14th's Raw. Uh, for every two draft picks that Smackdown got, Raw would receive three because it's the three hour show and Smackdown's the two hour show, which, OK, that makes sense. But it was weird that every time you'd see, oh, here's this round. Uh, you would have three Raw to two SmackDown. It was like, wait, why does it feel so uneven? Um, you yeah. know, when I was looking at the rounds, I, they weren't explicitly saying it, but I'm like, are they? It's kind of like in WWE 2K games where it's like, is the wrestling rating, rating like an indication of how over WWE thinks these people are? Because the people in the first round were like, okay, yeah, they're some of their biggest stars right now. You know, it's it's so weird. Like, so I, I saw Kevin Owens was upset that he was a third round draft pick, but then I was like, but you were drafted on SmackDown. Seth Rollins is a first round draft pick, but he was drafted on Raw the second day. Like, as a draft fan, like, it was very weird to me. But you know what's even weirder? So, have you, this wasn't the only WWE related product that had a draft. Did you see the, the draft for, um, for the, um, XFL? I didn't watch the XFL draft, no, but I saw <laughs> the quarterback announcement and the head coach announcements. So, the XFL did a very similar type draft where they just gated like each different position into different like rounds. So like one round would be all skill players and then one round would be all offensive linemen. So it was kind of like the same type deal with that, with yeah. that draft. That's so weird. The first time around with XFL, I think I, I was actually like, oh, that's cool that they capped the salaries and stuff for the players. Now I look at it and I'm like, that is so unfair and so stupid. Like it's like something like they can't make more than $250,000 a year, which 
for a professional athlete is like, give me a break, dude, because we know how much money professional sports makes. That is nothing. Um, I was – so not to get too off topic, but yeah, with XFL, I still can't believe Colin Kaepernick, former 49er, is not playing for any professional football team in the world, including the XFL. Although what I heard his asking price was it was a little more than 250000 He's asking $20 million, and I don't blame him. No, I mean he deserves it. Like he he was a really good he was a really good player. I mean, people had started to figure him out, so I don't know how much he's worth anymore. He's also this is a guy he's he's an athletic scrambling quarterback that's getting older. So can he still do that? Has he adapted his game? We don't know, but it's unfair that we don't know because no one will give him a chance because of all the controversy that surrounds him. That is not wrestling talk, though. Let's get back to wrestling talk. Yes, um, a couple a couple of weird things in the draft. So I mentioned. Like yeah, how do you how do you have Rude and Ziggler as one pick as a tag team where it, their tag team just feels like it's of happenstance? Like you know, it's like okay, you're you're now I guess they're an official tag team. Like that was weird. Uh, Sami Zayn went from Raw from SmackDown to be with Nakamura, uh, but what, I mean they'd already kind of been together. Uh, Alicia Fox just went to alumni status. She didn't, you know. Uh, I counted um, thirty. Five performers, give or take. There were some people I didn't know. Should I count Heyman as being with Brock? I don't know. But roughly 35 people changing brands in the draft. I counted um, so NXT call-ups. So the Street Profits uh, are now on Raw, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not because I love the Street Profits and I don't want them to get buried. Now, I do I do like that they are going to be working with the OC, so that makes me a little bit happy. But, yeah, I yeah. am bummed about that. Leo Rush actually went – I don't know that you could call it a downgrade. He went from Raw back to NXT, uh, so that was kind of a, a weird one. Um, 205 Live, I actually don't know the status of that show right now because a lot of my favorite 205 Live people were called up. So Drew Gulak it was called up from 205 Live. Um, uh, Akira Tozawa was called up, and then Drake Maverick was called up as well as uh, Umberto Garrio was called up. So, And then, yeah, there was so many undrafted superstars, a lot of which – have injuries and stuff they're dealing with so that makes sense but um there are some others that you're like well, why why hasn't this guy been drafted? like Seamus was not drafted how do you not draft Seamus I have no idea so anyway uh yeah overall I think the draft it all to me the thing that's important is the storylines it sets up and how it plays out so I don't I don't really care about the draft you know for me it's like cool whatever you know uh it just the way they handled it though was it was pretty lackluster yeah, it, it it just wasn't great. Um, I do I do like the fact like, so I like the fact like it looks like Cedric Alexander is being positioned, even though you know he did lose um, uh, his first fight against Brady Murphy. But I, I I like the fact that a lot of these smaller guys were starting to get shine. Um, but I don't know what we're gonna do, and I, I don't know what these shows are like. The biggest thing, the biggest thing that's confusing to me or that's frustrating to me, like in this whole couple of weeks of the, the rebrand of professional wrestling is I am less certain of what the WWE main shows, if you want to start calling them that. I, I don't anymore, but if what Raw and SmackDown are, because I don't know what they want to do. And it just, there's no like thematic thing going towards it. It, it just seems very weird. Um, I'll just be watching my Wednesday shows because, like, I don't know. This is just very weird to me, completely honest. That's a great transition, TL, because I was about to say, maybe it doesn't matter to most, like, hardcore wrestling fans because they might not be 
all that into the main quote unquote main shows because uh, where it's at if you're into wrestling right now is Wednesday night. Uh, hump day is wrestling day now. Uh, and when we talk about that, we're mainly talking about the Wednesday night wars between AEW and NXT, which it is no secret. I'll go on record again. I think NXT is my favorite wrestling product out there right now. Uh, it is my favorite wrestling program to watch. Which one do you want to talk about first, NXT or AEW? Let's not make people mad off the jump. And I'm talking about myself. Uh, let's talk about the best wrestling show, period. They're, okay, so the NXT... <laughs> the NXT... You already, you already made them mad because you said NXT is better than AEW. It, it, okay, so let me, make, let me make this complete argument. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And this is just me talking about how much I love NXT. And then I will... I will, I will there's a lot to praise about AEW. There's a lot of things I'm going to talk shit about. There's a lot of things to praise about AEW. But here's the great thing about NXT. NXT basically rebranded itself on the first show. So I've heard people say it's been a long-running show. It has, but it hasn't. Like, it hasn't brought a lot of long-running show stuff over. They've made it... They've gone out of their way to kind of reintroduce, you know, the whole brand. But in that time, they've gotten over a brand new group, Imperium. Like, if you watch, a lot of people didn't watch NXT UK. I did, but this was the first time people saw Imperium. They brought, mm-hmm. they, they put over a brand new group. They put over new stars in Kushida, um, again with Walter. And you had new returning stars that you put over Leo Rush, um, Tommaso Ciampa, Finn Balor. Like, it has all this hype. And it has a champion that's strong, and they've had the best matches every Wednesday night since it's gone to Wednesday night. I don't need to talk about the Keith Lee and Dijakovic matches because I have literally already sung its praises. Like, I don't know what else you want from a wrestling show. NXT is great, and there's no filler to it. It's just, it's two hours of nonstop, great professional wrestling action. And it's right there, and I don't know what else anybody else would want from it. You just called out my biggest problem, and the one thing I would want from it is to go back down to an hour or 90 minutes. Uh, Two hours feels long, and especially when I compare it to AEW, which is coming in at 90 minutes, 90 minutes feels perfect. Uh, NXT at an hour used to feel great. Um, so I'm, it's not really a complaint because I'm still getting more of a really good thing. I just, I like one to one hour to 90 minutes. I don't need two hours. That's my only problem with it right now. Now, I think NXT has a bigger, a deeper roster than AEW, so they can fill a full two hours that, uh, okay, not to get too much in. So one of, I think, AEW's problems is I don't know how deep their roster is, and that's why they're 90 minutes. But, yeah, NXT, it's great. It continues yeah. to be great. It's the loser right now in terms of ratings. I Okay, what I'm wondering there, I haven't done the math uh, to break down, like, what the average Fox – I'm sorry, what the average TNT rating is versus the average USA rating because that could just be a case of – TNT on average gets higher ratings than USA in general. And so AEW can also be benefiting from that. It's weird that every story I've seen written about the ratings and how AEW keeps winning the ratings battle. I'm like, yeah, but give me the context. Give me the, you know, what, what used to be before AEW debuted, what was the rating for that time slot on Wednesdays? I need the complete picture. Um, and 
Because I, you know, I'm a marketing dude. I'm a numbers guy. I read numbers every day, and I can tell you, you can spin numbers one of every, you know, many ways. However, you want to spin it. I need that full context before I can really say, okay, yeah, maybe AW is kicking NXT's butt. But yeah, NXT is a great show. It's been a great show. Uh, I do think there was some weirdness that I'm still trying to figure out. Like, okay, what does this mean for NXT UK? The fact that Imperium's over on this show now, like, are they permanently over? Do they just borrow from NXT UK when they want to? When they get guys like Pete Dunne, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to put you in this match because you're amazing. I don't know. I don't think they've done a great job of explaining that, maybe. Um, but that's okay. That's like a minor quibble, you know? Right. Well, I also think NXT UK, they don't run as many shows. Because uh, a lot of those guys who work at NXT UK, they'll work in progress. They'll work... Um, they'll, you know, they'll still work around the UK indie scene. Like, they are still independent you you know uk wrestlers but i think if you're working wwe like predominantly like some people like pete dunn um rhea ripley uh imperium like it to me it makes more sense to stay in a loop like the two from imperium um bartell and um fabian archer favorite uh, uh, favorite eichner like they were wrestling in regular nxt like not too long ago so i wonder if they were just like one of those uk like bringovers like alexander wolf was also in the united states not too long ago so yeah. it, it just seems like it'd be easier just to have walter be the person to kind of you know go in between and then you can always do your show in the uk because you can just fly back and forth to the uk yeah walter has crossover potential tony storm has crossover potential there's a there's a lot of them pete dunn uh has crossover potential so maybe that's what it'll be right it's like kind of their their top tier folks will come over um yeah dude uh, there's not much more i can say about nxt i think it's if you're not watching it uh, okay so one thing i just want to say up front there's no reason you need to choose yeah. If you love wrestling and good in-ring product and wrestling with a sports-like presentation, there are two shows on Wednesday night that you can watch. And we live in an age where you can DVR anything. You can do anything you want on demand. It's amazing. Do that. Watch them both because they're great. Right. Watch one on Wednesday and one on Thursday if you want. You don't need to choose. Why do you feel like you need to choose? You don't need to choose between Nintendo and Xbox and Sony. Some, you know, if you have the means, you can you can buy them both. You can buy all three, whatever. Like I never understood the need for people to pick a team and a side and be like, "This is all I'm doing. Is all I'm watching." And I'm like, "Fine, you're limiting yourself." Yeah. There is, and New Japan is great. You can watch that too. Watch it. Watch everything, dude. There's so much good wrestling it, on. It's so weird to me when people are like, "Well, I can only watch one." Me personally, I love NXT. It's my home brand. I like watching a lot of those wrestlers. But you know what TNT does? They run AEW right after AEW's or right after AEW's finished done. Well, I just finished. So guess what I can do right after NXT is done? I can go right over and watch AEW. I've not missed a yeah. show on Wednesday. Not to not to sound too old, but to all you youngsters out there, back in the Monday Night Wars, DVRs weren't a thing. You had to set up a VCR if you wanted to record a show. I think it was just starting. Maybe TiVo. God, maybe TiVo was in its infancy there. But I recall like. You had to flip the channel back and forth between WWE and WCW if you wanted to see stuff like it. Now you don't have to do that. It's so easy. It's never been easier to watch good wrestling. And yeah, I don't, I don't see the reason to choose. Actually, I just got reminded of one point I did want to make about WWE. And maybe maybe it'll this will segue nicely into AEW. I know not everything's perfect in WWE. 
And I know that as fans, we get frustrated. And part of being a wrestling fan is hating wrestling. I get it. Yeah. Uh, part of being a, a, a fandoms in general are we, we hate on the things we love because we know they can be better. Um, but wrestling, let's be honest, is 95% crap most of the time with 5% glorious transcendent moments yes right? and wwe still does that occasionally but one thing i did want to point out I, I think sometimes wwe is getting unfair criticism so i know a lot of you out there listening to this you always ask for i wish wwe would have a more athletic presentation you know versus sports entertainment you know they've been trying to give that to you that's what the draft they were they're going from more of an athletic competition thing and you guys are still shitting all over it so, so make up your mind. Which is it? Do you want a more athletic presentation or not? Or do you want more sports entertainment? Or is it just that whenever WWE does anything, you're going you're gonna to hate on it? That's the stuff I don't like. That's the stuff where I'm like, okay, they're trying to do – they're trying to react and respond to your feedback. And because it's not done exactly the way you would want, you're shitting on it. And I think that's unfair. Yeah. I also think a lot of, a lot of smarks – and we're all smarks. If you're listening to this, you're a smark. I'm sorry. But I'm a smark. You're a smart. We're all smart. Yeah, it's fun. Very openly a smart. Yes. Welcome to the club. Congratulations. We are not WWE's main audience. Uh, WWE caters to a wide, diverse audience. Um, they have to. The reason they have the whole PG era thing is we all remember growing up, and we all remember looking up to wrestlers as heroes and having action figures because WWE caters to kids. You're not a kid anymore if you're listening to this. And guess what? Some of the decisions they make and the things they do, they have to do it because they have a young audience and it's not for you. It's like when people rip on Nintendo for some of their kind of games that seem juvenile and they're like, oh, that sucks. That's so simplistic. Yeah, that's not for you, dude. That's for little kids. Little kids love that. Like not everything is custom tailored and made for you, nor can it be, but WWE knows that, and they have a brand that they've built for that. It's called NXT. Actually, did you hear the stat on Grilling JR this week? It was one of the most fascinating stats I've heard. AEW right now is killing it in the 18 to 34 demographic, which is the most important marketing demographic. That's when young males, they have expendable income. It's because you know a lot of them, it's before they, they're building their families and stuff like that. That is the best demographic for advertisers if you want ad dollars right apparently they're like number one in that slot for that demographic wwe right now is killing it with a much older demographic like 50 plus that's not great but i was shocked to hear it was like wow they have such a such a big 50 plus so wwe is just or nxt i should say in nxt as an extension is it's an extension of wwe right they just have such a built-in long-lasting fan base that it's like that's why they have so many of those older viewers but um yeah i was fascinated when i heard that stat i'm like wow if, if that's true that's not great for wwe's business because you do want to get those 18 to 34 year olds um but it, it the point i was trying to make the larger point is like yeah wwe they have to cater from people 8 to 80 yeah. years old, right? Whereas AEW kind of has a luxury right now of defining what their brand is, and they're not out there catering to kids. They're like, no, nah, we're going to go after 18 to 34. That's who we want to hit. I always wonder when people will do that, and I guess we'll kind of roll into AEW so I get this point off. When, when wrestling leagues want to kind of cater older, I wonder they think about advertisement, and that's one of the things, like, the the underlying thing that people don't realize about the Attitude Era, for as much as they were doing rating-wise, they weren't making a lot of money in the ad revenue game because, like, 
advertisers shied away from it because it was very barbaric. They made a lot in in house shows and pay per view buys. And- yeah, but that, it's not sustainable money. The sustainable money is to have people willing to pay for your television when you know when you have a limited income. You can only go to so many live shows, live events a year. Yeah. Um, and the in the AEW like house house like their their ticket prices are ridiculous. Um, but again, I, I understand. But how long does that sustain an audience? And I get wanting edge your material, wanting edge your material. But like, I don't know. It, it's just it's always weird to me when people say that. And like you said, there's not a better time than wrestling because in NXT you have the best the best Joe Shy wrestler there. You have one of the best junior heavyweights there in Kushida. You have like some of the like you just have some of the greatest wrestlers in NXT that are just in NXT and being presented as wrestlers. Like there's no weird cuckolding story or anything like that. Like the worst was Velveteen Dream doing the small penis thing and then Roderick Strong just flipped out the next day and just beat the shit out of him in the back. Like so like that's it. And that's like that's all you that's like it I don't know. It's just always been so weird to me. Yeah, no, it's true. I actually think um, this is a good segue into AEW. You know, for all the talk about we're, the, we're an edgier program or whatever, I don't see that much edge in their programs. It's still on TNT. Like, I, I think maybe did someone drop like a shit or something maybe on the show? They say shit a lot. Yeah, they, they said a couple shits. But it felt forced. It felt like when South Park first kind of had the right to do it, it was like, oh, you're doing it just to do it. Um, I don't see a ton of edge there. You know, for me, it's okay. <laughs> I don't even know where we start with this. So here, here, I'll, I'll start. Do I'll it. start. Please. Let please. me, let me kind of start this thing as the, as a, as a wrestling historian. Um, I think AEW had a very fine start for a wrestling company. It, it wasn't tremendous but it wasn't you know lackluster but here's some things that i'm very hesitant about one it doesn't seem very different from wwe and i mean that in it's how it's presented how it's shot if you're going to be an alternative you should be an alternative raw looked so much different than nitro and that's the reason why those were things i disagree i think they're shooting AEW to look like nitro and in fact i think i heard something like the the camera guy or the cinematographer in charge of of uh, dynamite is former nitro guy so to me dynamite looks a lot like nitro the thing is like a lot of those camera angles that happen in nitro like i think like aesthetically it looks like nitro but i'm talking about like shot compositions and like how wrestlers are framed like it's not a lot different no it's not you're right yep yep um that's that's one thing um, two, you can really tell that there are agents who work at AEW that worked at WWE because this really feels like a very early 2010, like good episode of Raw. Again, not shitting on it because I think 2010, like the 2010 era of Raw was highly. Is that still, that is, is still ruthless aggression? No. Is that mid ruthless aggression? That is, or is that post ruthless aggression? That is post ruthless, ruthless aggression. This is around the age of punk because like we're getting 10 years with the summer of punk. So this is around Summer Punk, Daniel Bryan becoming a thing. Like, that's like that kind of thing, right? The Cody Rhodes, the Cody Rhodes era. And again, it makes sense, right? Makes sense. That look who's leading it. Yeah. 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 Can't argue with you. That's, that's a good point. I think that they have an over-reliance on the same, like, five people. I don't think that's a very smart thing. Um, but I do, after seeing the third episode, I do like that they are starting to make more stars. Um, Chris Jericho did a really good tweet about Marco Stunt because people were really pissed and I knew this was going to happen because Marco Stunt got 
offense and against, you know, Pentagon Jr. And, you know, people are like, well, he's like a fucking kid and how can he do this? But like Jericho made a good point. It's like, yeah, promoters in Japan were pissed off that Ultimo Dragon let Rey Mysterio get offense in on him, right? Like, there's always going to be someone small and we're always going to be like, it's, we can't believe it, but it's, it's wrestling. And I, I think it's important to give, to do more things and to be over. And Marco Stunt is a good wrestler. Darby Allen is a guy who would never get any kind of actual, like, play, like, if this was 10, 15 years ago, because he's like a buck 50 soaking wet. But Darby Allen's so fucking good. Darby Allen is is one of my favorite wrestlers <laughs> on that roster. He's, he's, no relation, by the way. He's Ian. I'm Ian. But he is... I have been entertained in every Darby Allen match I've ever watched. The dude literally had his hands... He wrestled Jericho with his hands tied behind his back. He's so good. And... Oh. So good. He did a moonsault with his hands <laughs> behind his back. And I can't... Someone what made, are you doing? No, so, so Brandon Stroud from Up Rocks made a great point. He said, Darby Allen is the serious version of Orange Cassidy and I was like, yep, yeah, that's that's perfectly it. Um there's <laughs> there's and the and the thing I like about AEW, there's a lot of good young talent. However, here's where I go negative. Uh-huh. There's way too many screw job finishes in this ma- in this company. Way too many screw job finishes in this company. Mm. And for the company that says wins and losses matter how in the fuck does Pac not get a title match before anyone sings how he's undefeated? Like, this is the company that says wins and loss matters, but it totally doesn't. It's it's so weird, and yeah, it, it's just, it's really weird. Um, I don't know, I have, I, I still don't know who the faces and heels are. It's just really weird. Here's what I think AEW is succeeding at being an alternative they are offering a slightly different presentation in the current wwe product they they tell their stories in different ways there are very few uh backstage segments or you know these kind of things vignettes it's a lot of what they do is like through interviews you know and i think that's really i think it's effective although i have sometimes felt a lack of coherent storytelling with aew you and i always talk about tl I don't know who to cheer for and who to boo in matches a lot of the time in AEW. Um, because a lot of them are indie darlings. It's like, uh, or not indie, but like, you know, NJPW uh, darlings or whatever. It's like, I, we're cheering for everybody. Who's the heel? Who is the face in this match? Cause they're certainly not wrestling heel. And some of them, yeah, it's just hard to tell if they're heel or face. But, uh, in terms of the presentation itself, it is very WCW Nitro to me. Uh, it also reminds me a lot of, TNA at its prime and when I say prime I'm talking about it was when the X division was firing on all cylinders it was it was before the Bischoffs and the Hogan's came in it was you know mm-hmm. when you when T, uh, TNA impact whatever you want to call it was was big it, it's uh it's definitely different than Ring of Honor um in terms of the presentation but yeah I think so so far I think it's been absolutely fine right uh, I think I think you have to have longevity to really prove yourself, right? right? And I think they're on a good path, and I think that it is a good show, and I do like watching it. I don't think it's amazing. I do think a lot of people are willing to overlook a lot of the shortcomings of AEW because it's new and fret and refreshing to them. It's something new and different. I think um, 
I mentioned it earlier. I think they have a little bit of a depth problem right now on their roster. Their roster is not huge. Now, granted, they only have 90 minutes to fill. And so you don't want the WWE problem if you have such a huge, deep roster that some really talented people don't get any airtime. I think that's unfair. Right. So maybe that's maybe that that, that is deliberate. But it definitely, to me, has felt like, wow, I keep seeing the same faces show after show for AEW yeah. so far. Um, so I, I think that's that's an issue. I think <laughs> this is a very specific issue. But someone, maybe it's one of the agents in the back, they fucking love moonsaults, man. Someone on the AEW, because everyone on that roster does a moonsault. <laughs> During almost every match, you will find a moonsault in that match. The moonsault is meant to be used, it's, it's meant to wow you. It's a sparing, you use it sparingly. It, it, it is, it is, it's not a transition move. Stop. Honestly, there are, there are two wrestlers in two, in, in each of the companies that should be using the moonsault. One wrestler in WWE should be using moonsault is Io Shirai because she has mastered and perfected the art of the moonsault. There would not be a better moonsault. I'm sorry. The other person is Luchasaurus from when he does his choke slam <laughs> into the moonsault because he's he's a legitimate he's six eight impressive. big dude like just yeah. doing a moonsault and he does it flawlessly. I, I'm a huge. He also might be injured right now. Right? Yes. I think there's yeah. Rumors, so. Um. I, I'm a huge fan of Jungle Express. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think um, overall I'm very positive on AEW, but I think a lot of the discourse I see online is people are just wanting to be negative on WWE, negative to neutral on NXT, uh, and I think they've, they're wanting to choose sides against NXT, and I think they are doing themselves a disservice because there's so much good wrestling on NXT, right. and I think, again, they are overlooking a lot of issues that again it's AEW's only been on three episodes so they 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 are still working out the kinks and all of this stuff can get addressed and fixed and that's great sometimes though it does feel to me like wcw or even impact slash tna did in that they're relying on some older talent to carry and put over the younger talent and like that's why you see jericho he's all over AEW TV right now and he's doing a great job putting people over but how was that different than like when Jeff Jarrett was all over Impact Television yeah right, or TNA back then how was that different than when in WCW when it was they really started to thrive when Hulk Hogan came in you know when they brought in the older guys uh, Macho Man all these guys so it's like I don't think they're going to make the same mistake and that the older guys will become the focus. Right. Don't get me wrong. I, I think they are specifically trying to push and build up younger talent. So I think they'll avoid that trap. But so far, what they're doing isn't so different than what other companies have tried before. Right. And really, it's about longevity. The reason WWE is number one. It's longevity. They've been able to stick around. That's that's what's crazy and what you know is remarkable about the remarkable about WWE is they've been able to stick around for so long. Nobody else has. Everyone else comes and flares and has a has some high spots and then they back you know they go back down again. Right. WWE is always consistently on the top. So can AEW get there? I don't know. Wrestling is a very expensive venture to run. The cons, yeah, they're wealthy. I don't know how much money they have to continue to run it, you know. So a lot of that, they they seem positioned for success, but let's not let's not call a winner in this thing, right? Let's right. just let's just rejoice and say, hey, I'm glad they're doing well. But dude, like, don't 
they have a long way to go still before we can say, oh, yeah, this this is an ongoing program that's going to be big for a long time. You know, yeah. Impact used to be good, folks. Impact used to have some good wrestlers on there. They couldn't make it last. They started to hemorrhage money. So I will say this. I think the the important thing when it comes to how AEW is going to pull out your money, oh, they have a lot of older guys, and I would love to see how much Jack Swagger is making. And I know that the I know the Young Bucks and 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 um I know the Young Bucks, Kenny and Cody are all not making as much as they could be making. And I think Dean's the same way. I think a lot of them are on sweetheart deals because they would rather see this thing grow. Don't a lot of them get equity, and yes. so they hope to make their money through owning owning a percentage of the company, right? Which is which is one of the smarter things to do. Um, mm, okay, so I take exception to that. Okay, it can be smart, but it also can create some very awkward situations whenever the talent owns a company. Uh, they can, they can, you can start to get some questionable booking decisions because they, if you directly gain financially from certain things, it can make for some really awkward moments. Now, I don't know that they do have equity. That's just a guess of mine and why they have those sweetheart deals, but it's something I would be wary of just based on things I've heard about, you know, wrestlers and the backstage politics and stuff like that. But so I, I don't, I really don't know. So I think, the, I think where it is a little bit different is that you do have a guy who is basically like the head booker. Whose dad was a head booker, right? And you would think that Dusty would have said, "Hey, Cody, here's the mistakes that I've made. Don't make those same mistakes, right?" Like that's that's what you hope. That's what we can hope, and we're going to have positive intent about it, right? That's whole thing because wrestling yep. is positive intent. I also like the fact that we had a tag team tournament, and the Young Bucks didn't put themselves over, and in fact, put over a tag team who I think is going to be a big name tag team in a couple of years which would be private party like private party was a a very unknown tag team and they had a great they had the best young bucks match i saw here <laughs> um, so i have to ask you I, I think i asked you who's stealing from whom is is it were the street profits the first to do the cups and all that stuff or was it private party okay so it's it's a different thing street profits is more like it, it's just like it's Two different swag modes. Like, Street Profits is more like people who are, like, my age. Like, that's them. And Private Party is more like... Bomani Jones from ESPN has a phrase called, like, new dudes. Like, the Odell Beckham types. Like, that's what Private Party is. Uh, they are two different entities. They are two different entities. I love Private Party, though. Okay. They are two different entities, yeah. You mentioned Jack Swagger, or Jack Jake Hagar. Jake Hagar. Mike Hagar, son. <laughs> <laughs> from final fight that's final, right yes final fights mike hagar's son um so this is where i'm going to upset some listeners it's a bad surprise <laughs> well no you guys know i do have a bias toward large wrestlers i think if you're a professional wrestler i do subscribe to the vince mcmahon school that you should turn heads in an airport not everyone has to but i think a big percentage of your roster should like either you're turning heads because of your personality because of your look like the way you dress and stuff like that or your sheer size i think it's a problem when on your entire roster jake hagar is being positioned as your monster he's a tall dude don't get me wrong he is not a monster in the traditional wrestling sense i do think they lack a little bit of size on their roster. Uh, Luchasaurus is big as well. Yes. But, you know, he's, he's in WWE, he would be considered on the, he'd be just north of, of a 
good sized dude, not not like a giant or a monster. He'd right? be um, Aaron Roman. He'd be Aaron Roman size. Yeah, okay, but I think in general, the EW roster does lack some diversity there in terms of size, and I think it also plays out in terms of how people wrestle, uh, in terms of how the matches. You know, I, I made the joke like everyone moonsaults, um, but I think part of that is because you don't have some a lot of giants. You don't have a lot of. We, I talk sometimes about the, even that, like the short, stocky body type, like the, ro- the rhinos of the world, right? You don't, right. you don't have those, and you do need to build a diverse wrestling roster in terms of the look of guys, so that you don't end up with just the same thing over and over again. Right. I, I, I fully agree with you on there. I think that I, and that's it's weird because I, I am very much not a big body guy. I, I, I'm not, but I do think you do have a diversity of wrestling talent. I agree. I, I think, I think it would be important. Like, there's a lot of wrestlers who are who are not signed by anyone yet that people should definitely go out and look. Like, people should be picking at Evolve and going through because there are bigger wrestlers out there. Um, and there's Moose who's around there. There's Killer Cross who's out there. Like, there's so many good wrestlers that you can go and help make your roster bigger. And I think that's what I think that's what AEW could definitely benefit from. Um, they could also benefit from having a little bit of mix of color. Other than Private Party and Scorpio Sky, man, like they haven't done that. And I know that's one of the things that Cody and Randy talked about, but like they are not positioning people of color in their position, like Nyla Rose and Riho. So I, I, you know, I do see that, but like, which one of them, like which person of color has like a main storyline going on, you know, like, I think the, the closest is, is, um, uh, the, uh, uh, powerful and pride, um, Ortiz and Santana who are great, who are tremendous. Formerly LAX. The former LAX. Yes, they are fucking great and tremendous and WWE should have snapped them up and they were fools for not not doing that because they fucking rule. It's just, to me, it's there needs to be a, a, like you said, a a whole diversity. It can't just be it it can't just be a league of juniors, you know? Like, not to shit on juniors because I love junior wrestling, but it just can't be a league of juniors. Like, that's not interesting for anyone. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think overall together, we are positive on the product. We're maybe not as positive and willing to give it as much of a benefit of the doubt as some people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of smarks online and a lot of the online discourse, but we, we like it. It's just like I, my, my approach is like, cool, let's wait and see how it pans out. Let's yeah. let's see how, la- how long this can last. I love that it's there. I love that I have alternatives. I love that Wednesday night now is a wrestling night. That's amazing. Let's keep that up. Cool. But like – what I don't like is let's just oh let's, this thing's amazing it's brand new and let's shit all over everything else right. don't do that don't do that don't, don't be do that. don't be that guy don't be that guy exactly exactly now is the part of the show where we like to talk about the top three things going on in the world of professional wrestling in a little segment we like to call the three count we like the backstreet boys in sync too
All right, TL, open it up. Let's start with your number three. Out of out of everything going on in wrestling, give me like what's your what's your third best thing going on that people need to check out right now? So we always we talked about just talked about diversity in AEW and kind of changing our perspective our perspective of what professional wrestling is, right? Eddie Kingston has been on fire lately. He's been wrestling in Progress. He's been wrestling in Beyond Wrestling. He's been wrestling on NWA Power, which is the NWA's new YouTube show. Like, he's been wrestling all around the world. And Eddie Kingston fucking, ro- he's wrestling in Evolve, uh, earlier this Correction, year. It's, it's Power. I, I, will, get it right. I will never put all those R's on there. You will never make me do it, <laughs> Billy Corrigan. <laughs> I heard. I heard the reason they do it is actually really smart. Yeah, it is. It's so a, when it's when it's trending. Yeah, it's a very smart marketing. It is a very smart marketing move. But anyway, um, no, I I love Eddie Kingston and dude. He someone made the point like because he did do like the evolve stuff and he's worked in the WWE. Like he's worked in um, he's worked at NXT. Yeah, the NXT like training. Uh, like a lot of people come in, they'll do guest, guest spots, and someone said he should just literally do classes on promos because Eddie Kingston is not the biggest dude. Like I think I showed you a photo. Like I showed, no, you watched the video. He's like, like, this dude is not huge. But the thing is, it's like Dusty. Like Eddie's so real. He gets you in the building. Like he doesn't need someone to write him a promo, which is why it's great. He's never got signed by WWE because he's just him. And Eddie Kingston is just so great. Eddie Kingston reminds me, um, man. So I grew up, you know, Riverside's not, it's not a terrible city, but there's definitely some parts of Riverside. You know, there's some mean streets or whatever. And yeah, he reminded me of those guys that are like, they're real. They come up just fighting, <laughs> you know, just, just like fighting. Right. Uh, there's people like, like, yeah, in the East Bay, San Francisco East Bay area, you know, people, and he, I think his thing is like, he's a, he's an East Coast guy. He's like from Brooklyn or something like that. Yeah. He comes off though as, as a guy who's just like, he gets in fights all the time. You can just tell like, oh, this dude shoots his mouth off and he gets in fights probably a lot. Kingston is money. He's doing some money promos on Power right now. Um, yeah, he is. So That's a great transition to my number three on the three count. Uh, my number three is YouTube shows or you, you know YouTube wrestling programs. So um, yeah, one of them being NWA Power. Now, NWA Power. I'm going to keep doing the R's. I, I really is, don't is, want is, you uh, to do that. <laughs> this is literally power, my personal hell. <laughs> it may not be my my preferred brand of choice. I think, I think I get what they're going for. I think they're in on the joke where it it's like it's like they took Southpaw wrestling, you know, the thing WWE did, and yeah. they made it a real thing. And they are trying to channel like NWA from the 70s and 80s, and in many ways they are succeeding. But sometimes it's like. All right. At what point does the joke stop and the real stuff start? Yeah, you, know, you know, much like professional wrestling is like, yeah. what what should I buy into versus not? So I think sometimes it is hard to take that program seriously because of the presentation. But the fact that it's there and it's like a show, it's an alternative. The fact that AEW Dark is an alternative on Tuesday nights and that's their YouTube show and it's hosted by mm. Tony Schiavone. We forgot to bring up Tony Schiavone. Oh, who is by far the best wrestling announcer in the in the business? Uh. Mara Ranello is the best wrestling announcer in the business, but Tony <laughs> Schiavone's great. Um, Tony Schiavone is, it's so good to see him back on television. It is so good. It, what he does on, on Dark with the interviews and stuff and how he's hosting that show, it's so refreshing and it's so fun. And it just gives me a warm feeling inside. And I know a lot of people hate on JR. I personally love JR. To see the two of those guys together 
in the booth with Excalibur. Now, what happened to um, what's his name? The 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 other guy that was doing pay per views is he just Shh. gone or is he only on pay per views? Are you talking about Golden Boy? Golden Boy might be only on pay per views because you get he's also a VGC guy. Let me talk about the other. Talking about Golden, yeah, I was talking about Golden Boy. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the 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 guy from the first AEW pay per view who was talking like this the whole time. No, I was talking about Golden Boy. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was like, oh wait, like I'm happy to get Tony Schiavone, but I, I thought Golden Boy was doing a really good job. So hopefully they'll bring him in for pay per views. I think. Well, I mean, with the FGC, like he still does FGC stuff, so like it, it wouldn't make any sense to do Golden Boy full time. I've met Golden Boy, and, and I took a, I took a meeting with him once. He's a he's a super nice dude, by the way. Yep, FGC guys usually are. Um, no, I I I love I love that announcement. That announcement is really good. I think it's the perfect three man booth. Like we always shit about like a, yeah. how a three man booth could work. Like this is how it works. It's you have a play by play guy, Jr., and you have two yeah. color guys like who actually go into the sport. And the great thing about Excalibur is Excalibur knows these guys because he's hired a lot of them. Yeah, he he picks up he picks up where Jr. leaves off. Sometimes you can tell Jr. is kind of searching, and Excalibur comes in. My only complaint, and I know Jr. prefers a two man booth. He said he's on record as saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish we'd get a little bit more Excalibur. Uh, if sometimes you know in the shows, I'm like. Speak up more, dude. I, I love hearing from Excalibur. He, he's great. Um, but yeah, so sorry. To get back though, AEW Dark is great. It's like you have something to look forward to on Tuesdays, right? And it's yeah. up on YouTube. WWE has really cool YouTube shows, with, which actually as a network subscriber, I'm like, this should be on the network because this would help justify my payment for it now that NXT is on USA. But um, to name a few, just like the playback show they do where they have like wrestlers watching old stuff and kind of like giving a basically a dvd commentary i love that that is great the uh the formerly known as that is the most un wwe thing i've ever seen on wwe programming wwe does not like to acknowledge that wrestlers were a thing before coming to their company and the fact that they have an entire series built around that for for a lot of these wrestlers is like so yeah my number three is wrestling youtube from these official brands which yeah it's if as if there wasn't enough good wrestling on television there's also a lot of good wrestling out there on YouTube right now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, wrestling is in a such a great place. You have that. You have MLW as well. Um, Beyond Wrestling puts wrestling stuff on there. Right now, it's such a great time to be a wrestling fan, and YouTube has made it very easy to do that. What did I hear? I think actually MLW might not be on YouTube much longer. It was, is that the one that Court, Court, Court Bauer is saying? Yes. The, the ad model for YouTube where they were seeing more success on Twitch. So it might have to be that you watch streams. I mean, he didn't say Twitch. He said streaming. I think he meant that fight app maybe. So, yeah, yeah watch. He said basically binge MLW on YouTube while you can. Yeah. We'll say that. Uh, what's your number two, TL? Give me your number two on the three count. Okay, so normally this would be a number one. And I think this would have been a number one until I saw my number one. Uh, Keith yeah. Lee. Keith Lee. The word blue chipper... And again, it's going to go to my number one. Don't really like saying that it's about athletes, but Keith Lee, like, I don't see how you just don't see him. It's like, okay, I will re- evolve all of my wrestling around this guy. This guy who has the charisma, who has a great voice, like, legit, like, that's just a promo, but his voice itself is fucking, it's tremendous. Like, everything about Keith Lee is great. He's a 385 pound man who could do planchas and Spanish flies off the top ropes and can catch Donovan Dijevic from the fucking in midair and powerbomb him. His facials are great. Like, I 
I know everybody says Randy Orton. If you were to make a wrestler out of like a factory, it would be Randy Orton. If I could make a wrestler out of my mind, it would be Keith Lee. I fucking love bask Keith in Lee. his glory, TL. You bask <laughs> in his glory. He is truly limitless. Keith Lee is awesome, and yeah, that's my number two. Is Keith Lee? All right, my number two is the number two. <laughs> you now you may ask what I mean by that. Uh, here's what I mean. For some reason, there is two of everything in professional wrestling right now. So, just to name a few, except tag teams, if you're in WWE, because apparently they don't—they're not in tag teams. Uh, but so there are two cuck angles going on on WWE programming. There are two shoot fighters coming to WWE. You know, with, with Kane and Tyson, uh, Tyson Fury, I should say. Uh, there are two NXT returns. We got Chiappa returning, and we got Finn Balor returning. There are two brands, you know, the Raw versus SmackDown. There are two brands on Wednesday night. You got your NXT versus your AEW paired up against each other. Uh, there, there's two hours. NXT is a two-hour show. For some reason, the number two is extremely over right now. So that is my number two is the number two. Yeah. Um, yeah, number two is is pretty great right now. It's just a, it's a pretty good number. <laughs> it's a pretty good number. <laughs> Some people might say WWE programming is number two. Yeah, or sometimes it, sometimes Vince takes <laughs> number two on the scripts. Let's see, let's see, read some. It's what he is. It's good number two. It's good number two, pal. <laughs> all right, what's being, all right, that's enough about number two. What about number one? What is your number one on the three count? So this is something I actually been thinking about a lot more lately, and I I talked to you about this multiple times, Matt. Uh, there's an independent wrestler by the name of Darius Lockhart, who I believe he's based out of North Carolina. So he's he's kind of he kind of runs in that circle with Cedric um, Cedric Alexander, um, and he is a black wrestler who doesn't wrestle like a lot of black wrestlers do. Like he's a very technical bat mat based wrestler. Which I mean, there's a, there's there's black wrestlers who do that. Like um, John Jonathan Grisham does that. Who wrestles in Ring of Honor. Uh, I know it's yeah. always funny to you, Matt, because his name is Jonathan Grisham. That's his name. Um, but, uh, the, but his, he, the he, firms, the yeah. firm, the author of the firm, John yes, Grisham. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but he was making a very good point, and it's a video that doesn't have a lot of views, so I'm probably going to post it everywhere, um, where he's talking. Yeah, I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. Yeah. Send me the link and I'll post it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but uh, he talks about how black, wrestlers are presented and it's something i talked to matt about like it's very weird to me that there has never been like a really strong black run in professional wrestling when you look at the history of all combat sports and there's always like a black champion like he this is the promo like you look at the best boxer of all time you look at the best mma fighter you don't even have to limit it to combat sports if you look at most (laughs) sports some of the greatest of all time have been black people right it's but it's it's weird and he said like he's like but he's like when we talk about black wrestlers it's always oh they're so athletic and they're so happy to be there and it's something as a as a wrestling fan who is black it is something that's very frustrating um the reason why the kofi thing mattered was kofi kingston did not get a world heavyweight championship match for 10 years and that's something that, as a black wrestling fan, you think of. Like, do you, like, honestly, Matt, do you know who the last person who got a world heavyweight championship match before Kofi did at WrestleMania this year? No idea. It was R Truth at Capital Punishment 
who then became what? like a cartoon character. I know that off the top of my head. And that is what that and that's the thing that is it's frustrating because the WWE's had such a great had such had such great African American wrestlers, but it's not a WWE problem. It is a professional wrestling problem. It's the only reason why I get really skittish when people talk about like well, Kofi's run wasn't great, like it wasn't a great run, and it may not have been a great run for a lot of people, but it was a very important run for someone like myself. But I don't think I don't think when they say that they're knocking Kofi, I think they're talking about the booking and the opponents he was given. Like it wasn't it wasn't a great run. But it wasn't because of, for lack of Kofi's wrestling ability. It was they weren't giving him great feuds. He had the one decent feud with Randy Orton that unfortunately just didn't didn't feel like it paid off well. No, no, no. And, and I and I get that. But like I said, to me, it wasn't really the feud that to me what was important was being able to have that representation. Right? It's because the, the same argument was made about uh, Ron Simmons' run in 1990 when he won the um, WCW Heavyweight Championship from vader right like that was the same this is like the same arguments like well who did they book them against and and darius brings up a really great point we need to start looking at we need to start demanding that wrestle that wrestling books black athletes better again i think it is a problem that in wwe there is one main event black wrestler and it's kofi kingston and it was basically on a fluke right um, in AEW, we do not have a black main event wrestler. In Ring of Honor, mm. there is not one. If I can rephrase Darius Darius Lockhart's, what one of the points he was making is in every other sport where the deck is not stacked, where it's not a work, wrestling's a work, professionals right. wrestling's a work. But in every other sport, where if on their own merits, if given the chance, black athletes are able to excel uh, and usually end up at the top of that sport, it particularly stands out as odd that in professional wrestling they're not also given that same chance or you, you know what i'm saying right that, that they're not in always at the at, at, in the conversation right because right? it's like yeah in, in almost every other sport the, and so yeah if, if wrestling is to be perceived as as a sport and yes we know it's a work sport but it's still supposed to approximate a sport i think the point he was trying to make was like then why aren't more black athletes represented at the top of the rosters, you know? Yeah, and it, it's always mind-boggling, especially, like, there are so many great black, black wrestlers. I did want to, I did say Ring of Honor didn't. They did have Jay Lethal have the world's, like, he had the longest Ring of Honor title run, um, so they have made those kind of strides, but it, it, it it's just very frustrating to me that we've had so many great black wrestlers and that this has never happened. It's just it's always been very weird to me. So I'm obviously being very careful because I you know, I I don't hey, I'm a white guy. I don't want to offend anyone and say the wrong thing, but it is odd, you're right, that when you think of a lot of the black wrestlers in WWE and, and some other promotions as well, the things you remember about them, even Jay Lethal, what I remember about him is he's got a killer macho man impression. And, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's it almost sometimes they get relegated as like a minstrel show, right? Where it's it's like think of um Titus O'Neil is huge, right? right? But he gets treated like a joke. He's known, he's remembered more for like tripping on the way to the ring, right? He's yeah. remembered always for like getting thrown out of the Royal Rumble in like the record time and stuff like that. Like, you're right. It's, I don't know, is that, is that offensive to say that? That they do, like, even the New Day, they are the, one of the most over tag teams in recent history, but 
it's like it's like a joke, man. And the fact that Kofi Kingston, who is just our champion, gets drafted as part of New Day and not as a separate performer, even if unintentional, doesn't that kind of send a message? I think that one's a little different because I know for a fact those guys have all stated they do not want to be separated. Okay, but um, they, do, do you know what I'm saying? Though, no, no, right? no, where it's like it's it's like they're not in the serious wrestling conversations. Usually, it's it's the our truth. It's like oh, it's a comedy act or, or whatever, right? You're absolutely right, and this is the thing that's frustrating about it. It's like our truth is a perfect example. Actually, I'm going to go back to that 2010 run when he fought John Cena because how they built him up was a guy. He was like, you guys have me come out here and dance and do this rap and do this, but. I am a person and you have constantly pushed me down. Um, well, I look at somebody like, like I said, I look at somebody like Kofi Kingston, like how long did it take them? Um, the original gimmick for the New Day, like the reason why they had that church music, which is super always like super weird to me, was because like Vince was like, well, we can get dancing happy guy, happy black guys. Like in a black, in a black, in a, as a black wrestler, you can only be the dancing happy guy. It was based on the stereotype of, of a black gospel choir. Yeah. Right? The New Day was supposed to be this positivity-based thing, and they came out to, like, black gospel music. And yeah. that's that, – that might be a positive stereotype, but yeah. it's still a stereotype, yeah. right? It's it's like – yeah. No, I, I – I, dude, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't have a solution for it. But yeah. I, I do think then when you look at athletes like Apollo Crews, <laughs> I, there's some reason – I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe maybe you don't like Apollo Crews, but there's no, 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 some no, 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 reason no. it's like That's... Apollo Crews had all the potential in the world, and they're always talking about like, look how much potential this guy has, and yet they don't do anything with it. And why? That, That's what's frustrating me. Apollo Crews, when I saw him in the Indies when he was Uha Nation, I was like, this would be the guy this man would die for. He's big. He's 6'5", 250, 60 pounds, muscles out of everywhere, but can move like a cruiserweight. I'll give you another one. Bobby Lashley is a fucking amazing athlete, right? I think he's had some injury issues, but like, why isn't Bobby Lashley, why is Bobby Lashley right now in, in a cuck angle versus being seriously considered? Like, you know, in Impact, he was a top guy. And he comes to WWE, and it seems like they abandoned him. Now I know back in the past, you know, he was, he had, he was in the thing with the, with Donald Trump and Vince McMahon, and you know, but it's like, yeah, dude, Bobby Lashley should be higher up on that card than he is. Why yeah. isn't he? It, yeah. it, it's just it's it's always weird to me. It really is. So um, please, if you get a chance, watch that promo. I think this is something that it's been really bothering me to the point where I think I'm going to write something about it because it, again, it's a problem in wrestling. And here's the weird thing about it: it's not Southern wrestling that has this problem because when I look at stuff like Mid South wrestling, like their top star for the longest time was Ernie was Ernie Ladd. Um, you look at, you know, stuff in Texas where, you know, Junkyard Dog before he came over to WWE, like, there was a lot of really big, you know, stars, black stars, uh, Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Patterson, who a lot of people think, uh, Dusty cribbed a lot of his stuff from. But, yeah, it's just such a weird thing of, of the, just the massive decline of black, you know, superstars. And, and Darius does such a great job doing it. Um, and also he's a tremendous wrestler. Uh, that's the other thing. So, um, please, if you get a chance to watch that thing, it's something I feel very passionate about. And it's something that I, I it's still, 
is the most disheartening thing about a, at being a wrestling fan is being a black wrestling fan and have to deal with that. So yeah, man. Uh, so I, I, I hate to like kind of move on to my number one because yeah, no that 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 uh, yeah that was, that was that was a deep discussion. Let's just say, but uh, my number one. So uh, to to finish off our three count stuff. Um, I think it's it's Wednesday nights. It's cable networks and Wednesday nights, man. Like the fact that Wednesday night is now the night I look forward to most in professional wrestling, uh, just in such a short span of time. Uh, I think that's really cool. That is the number one thing going on in wrestling. And as we were saying earlier, there is no reason you have to choose one or the other. If you are a fan of professional wrestling, you should be watching both of those Wednesday night products because because they're both really good. Um, and I, I might prefer NXT over AEW, and that's fine, but I still like them both, and I think there's a lot to like about both of them. And so, yeah, man, Wednesdays have never been hotter in wrestling. It used to be Mondays and Thursdays, right? It was it was Thursday Night Thunder, uh, SmackDown, you know, Thursday Night SmackDown, and then SmackDown just keeps moving throughout the week, dude. Like, pick a date. I mean, please, please pick a day. Um, but, yeah, it's Wednesdays are where it's at, and, uh, yeah, that is my number one in the three count. We like the backstreet boys in sync too. Britney Spears is kind of cute. We watch TRL on MTV. Everybody three count. One, two, three. One, two, All right, this has been a long episode, so let's wrap it up here. As we like to do, we like to close out the show uh, by recommending a match to you guys that we think is worth checking out. They might not always be like the best matches in terms of technical stuff or whatever, but but I like to what I like to do is pull a match maybe related to something we've been talking about earlier. Um, and so yeah, my my match of the week, uh, the main event of the evening, uh, and that's the match that you should seek out and try to watch this um, just for a different dynamic. It features two guys who are now AEW wrestlers now, uh, but at the time they were not. They were they were on the WWE and NXT roster. I would like you to seek out Neville versus Dean Ambrose, or now it's Pac versus John Moxley, uh, wrestling for the U.S. Championship on NXT from August eighth, two thousand thirteen. There's a couple things to look for in this match. Number one. It's really interesting to me to watch how the, how much the dynamic has changed. Where in that match, this was back when the Shield was still kind of a heel faction. They weren't super, you know, as over as as the face uh, team that they were. So mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose is sort of wrestling as the heel in this match. Neville is the face, uh, which is now completely. I mean, to be honest though, I still don't know what Dean Ambrose is in AEW. Is he is he face or heel? He gets cheered, so I guess he's face. I have uh, no Pac idea. Is definitely Pack's definitely wrestling heel, and I think he does a killer job of it. So it's fun to see how much pack has matured as a performer as well like in back then in this match i think he was he was more about his in-ring work and how great that was but now he is definitely over personality wise and so it's really fun to see that the other fun thing to see is at the end of the match the match kind of concludes and the rest of the shield comes out and starts to lay the beat down on neville and then you get to see a run-in from xavier woods who we were just talking about and Corey graves when he's still a wrestler running in for the save to rescue neville against the shield which it's so fun just to look back it's only been six years to see how far we've 
we've come and how different things are and to see these guys with this different company. So seek that out. You can find that one uh, actually on YouTube. Uh, you can find that one. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But mm. that is a fun match to watch and just to see. Again, it's not like the best technical match. Uh, but just to see how much the dynamic has changed and where these guys are in their career and how young they looked back then six years ago compared to now, it's really fun. And I, I really enjoyed watching the match, and I know you will too. What about you, T.L.? Uh, so you actually had asked. Is I made there, a request, yes. yes. Is there a Matt Riddle match that I would recommend? I, and the reason I asked for this, folks, is I don't know that I'm on record as a Matt Riddle hater, but I think I've said on this show before, I don't necessarily understand the appeal. Mm. I think the bro character he does has actually in recent years become a pretty common wrestling trope. And I don't think he does it that well compared to guys like Brosip Joe Brody, who wrestles here in the Bay Area. Um, I think there's dudes doing bro way better. So I was like, tell me what's great about Matt Riddle. I want to understand. I, I want I want to see what, what people like about him. So you picked a, a Matt Riddle match that's going to make me like Matt Riddle, yeah? Yes. Um, so the Matt Riddle match I chose was from e- the main event of Evolve 87, and it was Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee for the WWN Championship. Um, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. I asked you to give me a match that's going to make me like Matt Riddle. Yes. What I see in this match, I'm going to like this match because it's Keith Lee. Yes. Keith Lee is going to make this match amazing. So yes. all I'm going to do is come out of this match liking Keith Lee more and not understanding. <laughs> Actually, I did watch this match, so it's a little spoiler there. I watched the match, and yeah, I came out of it saying, okay, Riddle can lay in some good-looking elbows, mm-hmm. but there was some stuff in this match that he straight up – looked weak doing certain moves but keith lee looked like a million bucks so i came out of this match saying even though matt riddle technically won the match which i thought the finish was a little weak i won't i won't spoil it for you guys but i think this is a this is a great example of me you gave me more reason to love keith lee and i'm still baffled by matt riddle but i appreciate the effort <laughs> hey hey my job here did you say you like you you it gave you more reason to love keith lee yes then my job here is done <laughs> You'll take it as a win. Yes. <laughs> I still don't understand the Matt Riddle allure, but Keith Lee, I am basking in his glory. Yeah. Bask in that glory. Again, he is limitless. That's right. And just like we are limitless and the potential of cheap podcast is limitless and you will bask in the glory of the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. That's been it for our show. Uh, let's go out with some plugs. TL? Uh, yeah, you can always find me at the PNB Network. Um, do a couple podcasts. PNB, Grind Forever. All that jazz. Um, and sometimes I'm on the Laser Time Network doing stuff on Laser Time and VGA when I'm uh, asked to be on. Uh, just letting you know, Matthew, we are a month away from Pokemon coverage. So you already know. <laughs> Aren't you? Are you, are you playing with a little town hero right now? I'm not playing little town. I, I like Game Freak, but I'm not a Game Freak uh, freak ahead. Like freak. I didn't. I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't play uh, Mr. Driller. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, you can find me every Friday on the Laser Times uh, show all about video games, Vigigame Apocalypse, uh, there with my co-hosts Michael Raparas and Chris Antista. Uh, and then you can follow us, Cheap Popcast, on Twitter, at Cheap Popcast, and follow me personally, at Maddie C. Allen. That has been our show. That has been the best damn wrestling podcast there is the best there was and the best there ever will be and that's the bottom line cause Stone Cold said so oh yeah dig it (laughs) 
diggity, dig, diggity dog. Freaking dig, dig, diggity, dig, diggity dog. Diggity, dig, diggity, dig, diggity, dog. 